Well, after speaking about the incident between the devil and the archangel Michael, which we looked into last Wednesday, we get to the reason for the comparison here in these verses. We asked the question, if you're up there on the Facebook, see the Facebook post earlier, why would people be drawn to the evil speaking, the contentions, the rejection of authority and such the Jews refers to here? Have you ever been pulled in by it? Or do you know someone who has been? So tonight we're going to look at its dangers, how to spot it, how to stay out of it, or to get away from it for those that may have already fallen into it. Now, last week we were looking at the Archangel Michael and the battle that went on with the devil. And for Jew, the main point is not why Michael was disputing. It was how he disputed with the devil. So that's why he didn't spend a whole lot of time on what they were disputing over or the methods in which they were disputing. He spent most of the... What his discussion was is that Michael did not do things in a certain way. And so he's looking at the method because that's his comparison. Not what they were contending over, but how the contention was made, how the dispute went on. So again, we'll read verses 8 and 9. Likewise also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. So let's go on here with verse 10. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally like brute beasts, in these things they corrupt themselves. It sure would be helpful if the English had a few more words for things. But very often the different words in Greek are translated the same word in English. And so we don't always get a chance to see the difference that is there, but we're going to see that case here. Let's hit the first word here, which is, but these speak evil. The words here, speak evil, come from the Greek word, and I wrote it in there for you. It gave you that, the uh, Strong's number. But blasphemo means almost exclusive, or is almost exclusively understood as evil speech against God. But really, when you break this word down, it, uh, it's really just evil speech. We hear it as evil speech against God. And some of the ways that it is being used here, you're going to see it's, it's more than just evil speech against God. It's just, uh, it is evil speech altogether. Generally, this is more than just a fleeting question of God's power. That's not what uh, blasphemy is. It's not just questioning the power of God. It is more than a vented anger against God, just getting mad at God and saying some things. It's not necessarily that, but it is a willful rejection and denial of God's power and His Spirit at work through Jesus in this life. We see many of situations in the Gospel and through the church where this is this has gone on. But by rejecting the Spirit, the access to power for witnessing and the gift of eternal life are forfeited. Now this, uh, he goes on here, but these speak evil, or blasphemo, they speak evil of whatever they do not know. This first word here to know, we're going to have two different Greek words for know. The first one here is the Greek word oida. In this particular case, it is the word ido, but they are the same, from the same root. I believe I wrote both of those in there for you. But oida 
You may have uh, you probably heard that one a lot more than you do Ido. It's talking about absolute knowledge or knowledge gained from observation. This is the word that is used in the letters to the seven churches we've been discussing on Sundays. I know your works. That is the Greek word oida. And so what he says here, but these speak evil of whatever they do not know. So whatever they have not gained uh, understanding of or a knowledge of through observation. So the way that you gain oida knowledge is you are there. Jesus uses this word for the seven churches. I know your works. He was there in the church. He was walking through the seven churches. He saw their works. He saw the things they did. He saw what they were up against. It's not something that was a report that came to him. He saw it firsthand. So this is what he's saying to them. They speak evil of whatever they do not know, whatever they have not seen firsthand. Maybe they've heard about it. Maybe people have passed some things on to them, but they have not been there to experience it themselves. And a lot of times it's just because they didn't pursue it. They didn't desire to pursue it. But these, speaking of these false teachers, these speak evil of whatever they do not know. So I don't know it. I haven't experienced it. I haven't seen it. Therefore, I'm going to speak evil of it. I'm going to say evil things of it because I haven't seen it. So if they didn't, uh, somebody else may come to them and say, this is what I saw, they would scoff at it. They would put it down because I did not see that myself. I did not experience that myself. Therefore, what you are saying is wrong. And this is, they just, they count this pretty much for everything. Whatever, they speak evil of whatever they do not know or have a firsthand uh, experience with, knowledge of. And whatever they know naturally, now this word here for know is a different word. It means those things that are known through instinct or through the five senses. Those things that we know through instinct, you just kind of, uh, I don't really know why I know that, just kind of just kind of know that that shouldn't be right. There's just a, an instinct on the, on the inside. Or you pick it up through the, the five senses. You smell it. You know, this is kind of how uh, animals pick up things. They, uh, they only know things because uh, they smell it, they see it, they hear it. They uh, they have an instinct about those things. Animals do a lot of things based on instinct. They weren't trained for it. They don't know how to do it. If uh, you'll see this in you know certain dog breeds, if you have a hound dog, well, they may not have seen anyone go hunting. They may not have seen one of their uh, their uh, parents or uh, uh, comrades, <laughs> the other people in the in the pup group there. They may never seen them go out hunt. But even though they've been removed from that group at a young age, you put them out there and they begin to do some things based on instinct. They didn't see anybody do it. They don't have any first-hand experience, but down on the inside of them, they just kind of know what to, to do. It's, uh, it's just something that's in them. Different dog breeds have different, different things about them that they just do based on instinct. And these are, are things we have to uh, just, just understand about them. So it just depends on what kind of maybe dog experience that you've had. There, I've heard some people have bloodhounds. I would never get a bloodhound. Bloodhounds will sit out there in the backyard and just start howling and hooting and hollering and making it. But that's what they're bred for. You can't discipline that out of them. You can't go there and say, quit doing that. This is what they are bred for. This is what they do. Bird dogs are going to chase birds. You may not want the dog to chase birds, but it's going to chase birds. It's, it's an instinct. 
It's on the in, inside of them to, to do that. So if you have a dog and you don't want them running around chasing birds, uh, you ought to stay away from a bird dog. Don't get into them. If you have a pool and you don't want the dog going in the water, you make sure you stay away from any dog with webbed feet. Because any dog with webbed feet, and bird dogs are one of those, but there's different ones that, that have that, uh, they just love the water. If they see the water, they jump right on in. You get other dogs, like German Shepherds. We raise German Shepherds. They don't like to get immersed in water. If they get all the way in water, they start to panic a little bit. They start looking for, where can I get out? And But they love to wait in the water. So as long as my feet are on the ground, I'm going to the water, they're happy. But uh, there's other dogs. They want to be all the way in the water. They want to be submerged. They want to, they'll dive under the water to get stuff. It's just uh, part of that. So he's relating it to, here's one type of knowledge you can have. This is that which is based on uh, experience, watching, seeing what's going on, learning as you as you go about. And another one that's just basically based on instinct, things like uh, animals would have, uh, uh, the bird dogs, you know, they, they hunt based on scent. They're not trained how to find a particular bird, they just they just know the, the scent that they're looking for. When they pick that scent up, well, we're, we're ready to go after this thing. So whatever they know, whatever is known in the second way, because, but these speak evil of whatever they do not know and whatever they know naturally, that's just through the natural ways, like brute beast in these things, they corrupt themselves. So throwing in this word here naturally, what he's looking at is we are, we are taking the contrast. We have one group of people and through the spirit, they should get to know some things. And these other ones, and all they have is what comes to them naturally. It's their natural man. And this is the contrast that you're having here. So, they speak evil of whatever they do not know. Whatever spiritually they have not walked with. Whatever spiritually they have not come in contact with. What All they can do is what they know naturally by their natural self, by the instinct that's on the inside of them. This is, this is all they can handle. So they don't ever try and pursue that, that knowledge that comes from the Spirit. This is these false teachers. Maybe they did a long time ago, but they don't do that anymore. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know, whatever they have not come to the knowledge of, and whatever they know naturally, like brute beast, in these things they corrupt themselves. So they take the things that are known through the natural man and they corrupt them. They pervert them. And they become corrupted through these particular things. And by corrupted here, you can just look at it. The natural man, the sinful man, is going after the things of the flesh, going after the sin. Whereas if we pursue the the knowledge of the spirit, knowledge of spiritual things, and to get to know them and walk in them, it pulls us over to a different different side. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally, like brute beast, in these things... They corrupt themselves. This word here for corrupt means to corrupt or to destroy. Thayer chooses the meaning to destroy. He's one of the guys that uh, writes books on the meanings of Greek words. Haven't uh, mentioned that in a while. But, but Thayer, he chooses the meaning to destroy. And as the word is passive in voice, by these things they are being brought to ruin. So it's not an active uh, usage of this. It's a passive one. So by pursuing these things, and whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts, in these things they corrupt themselves. Though they become corrupted 
by these things because there's no there's no balance to it. There's no spiritual stuff that comes on in. The things we know in our natural man, these are not by themselves going to corrupt us as long as we have what comes from the Spirit to counterbalance it. But we don't have that counterbalancing come in and so now they're going to just go off in the one one direction. And so that's how he's describing these these ones. The um, Weiss translation puts it this way, but these on the one hand revile as many things concerning which they do not have absolute knowledge. And on the other hand, as many things by instinct like the unreasoning animals which they understand, by these they are being brought to ruin. Williams puts it this way, but these persons abuse everything they do not understand and they are going to be destroyed by the very things they know by instinct, like the irrational animals. They're going to be destroyed by the very things they know by instinct. So what they know in their natural man is going to destroy them. New Century Version puts it this way, but these people speak against things they do not understand. And what they do know by feeling as, uh, what they do know by feeling as dumb animals know things are the very things that destroy them. Let's go on to verse 11. Woe to them. We know woe never means anything good. For they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the era of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Now Jude, one of the reasons it takes so long to get through the book of Jude is he just throws out these these uh, one-liners. And there's so much in the one-liner, and the way he's kind of speaking to these people, he's assuming that they already know it. I guess he's taught them or whatever it would be. And he's just basically refreshing their memory of all this this stuff by saying this. So he throws out three things here. And this is our second group of three. We mentioned that there, I, I believe there's three groups of three that go through here. This is our, our next grouping of them. For they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the era of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. So he pulls these three things out. The first one, they have gone in the way of Cain. The word gone there means to take one's way, to set out, or to go on a journey. Metaphorically, it would mean to follow one to become his adherent. So to take one's way, to set out, or to go on a journey. They have gone in the way of Cain. They have set out on a journey to go in the way that Cain had gone. Now, Cain's not a great example to follow. But this is the way they have set out. They have gone in this particular direction. Whether they know they're going in the direction of Cain or not, he's telling them this, because you have not followed after the knowledge that you should have, you followed after, you just stay with the instinct, just the, the things your natural man can know, because you have followed after that and pursued that, this is the direction it's going to take you. It's going to take you in the way of Cain. Now he just throws that out there. The way of Cain, the, the way here, the, the words translated the way, it means a road or a way, or a course of conduct, a way, manner of thinking, feeling, or deciding. For they have gone in the way of Cain. They have set about to set up their direction, their journey, to have a course of conduct or a way of thinking. So I'm going to begin to, to go this way to think like Cain thought. How many would feel like the way Cain thinks is a good way to go? It resulted in, as far as we know, the first murder of the descendants of Adam. We don't uh, hear of any other murder before that. And this is the way his, his thinking was going. The way his thinking went, he got mad at, at his brother because he himself didn't do what God asked him to do. 
and he decided he wanted to go a different direction. Now, the, the era of king, not going over these, but Genesis chapter 4 is where you will find that. His error, of course, is pride. Basically, I will serve a God of my choosing in the manner I wish. Well, I don't like a God who wants blood sacrifice. I want to serve a God who wants fruits and vegetables. Things that I can grow. I want you to take what I'm going to give. This is what I'm willing to give. This is what I want to give. And therefore, I want a God who's going to take those things. And and God says, ah, <laughs> see, I'm the God and you're not. And, and God can call what he, he needs to have. But there's a lot of people around today and all through time who they decide that, well, God should want it this way. And this is the way I'm going to go. And so, what he is saying is the way of Cain didn't stop with Cain. Other people had picked it up. And they want to serve God the way that they want to serve God in the manner in which they decide. They decided that bloodshed, he, Cain in particular, decided that bloodshed wasn't something that he wanted to pursue. He didn't have the things that he needed. Didn't want to make the trade or the bargains to, uh, to uh, obtain them or to get them. Could have. Could have taken some of his fruits and vegetables and gone on over and said, hey brother, can I uh, swap you some things? And he probably would have been all for it. Best we could tell he'd be, be all for it. Or somehow he could have gotten out there and, and done what he needed to do. But he didn't want to. Didn't, uh, didn't pursue it. So, for they have gone in the way of Cain. So these particular false teachers have gone in such a way that they have decided that what God has asked for, we don't want to provide. So we're going to provide our own things and we're going to give you the reasons why this is okay. Because Cain brought his fruits and vegetables, the things that he grew in the, in the land, and he did bring them before God and justified with himself why this was okay and why God should be okay with it and, and so forth. And he's related to this, to this particular group. They have gone in the way of Cain. That's the first thing that they did. They have run greedily in the area of Balaam for profit. Now we know that uh, Balaam, of course, it, the way we see it in Scripture, it looks like he's just doing what God said, but we've uh, understood from other areas of Scripture he was uh, having a lot of other problems and he was trying to find a way to get this great reward mm-hmm. from the king, all this money that was going to come. And so he went there to see if he could curse them, but out of his own mouth, he could not curse them. And so after they, he failed and all that, he pulled him aside and he said, look, if you want to bring the curse upon them, just uh, do this. So he counseled them to send, send the woman on out there, entice the men to come on out, come out to the sacrifices, come out to the idolatrous, idolatrous worship, and and bring them into sin in this way. If you bring them into sin this way, then God will judge them. And if God judges them, they won't be a problem for you. And so this is the counsel. And so that seemed to be good enough. And so Balaam was paid and got his money. And every reference we have for Balaam was always talking about his desire for profit or his desire for greed. That he, what he wanted to pursue. Even though his words in the story that we have, it seemed to be that this is just second nature. I don't really care too much about that. But apparently it did matter a whole lot to him because many other references talk about how much he wanted this and pursued it. 
So this is the other one. The era of Balaam. This one is for profit. The first one, Cain. This was pride. The second one here, the era of Balaam. This is for profit. Second Peter 2.15 says, They have forsaken the right way and gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. So again, we have Peter referring to the, the wages of unrighteousness that he pursued, the, his desire for profit. And Jude, they have run greedily in the area of Balaam for profit. The, the word there that we see in Jude is the Greek word planeo, which means a wandering, a straying about, whereby one led astray from the right way, roams here and there. Just kind of roams around. So they have run greedily in the area of Balaam for profit. This um, description here we had in Second Peter, when he says they have forsaken the right way and gone astray, this word gone astray is from the, the Greek word planeo, which is from the word that Jude uses. They're very similar. It means to to uh, to go astray, deceive, error, seduce, wander, to be out of the way. The one that Jude use, uses means to cause to roam. This one means to actually go astray. And Peter is talking about the ones that uh, were, were doing the going astray. Jude is talking about more of the cause. Let's read it again. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the error of Balaam, so the error that is being talked about here is a wandering or a straying about. They're going after the error of Balaam. Balaam, as far as God is concerned, he's, he, he's wandering. Balaam may not think so. He sees this is the target. This is what I want to get. I want to get the money. I want to get the payment. I want to be able to accomplish that and, and have that. He may have his sight set on some things, but God sees him. He is wandering. He's moving about. He's not going after the, the set thing. And all you have to do when you have somebody in this way is set something else before him. So right now, Balaam has this particular thing. I've got this payment from this king. And the other one is going to have this payment from another person. And then this payment. And he's going to be hitting here and here here. But he's wandering. He's going here. He's going there. He's going here. He's going there. God wants people that set their sight on the things of God and pursue that. And that's it. But see, he's out there pursuing the riches. Once you begin to pursue other things from beside God, you get into a state of wandering because you're going over here. And then after you get that, you're going over here. And then you get that, you're going over here. You'll see this with a lot of Christians today. They don't, they're not set in what God has, has uh, said to them. Has God truly said? They're, they're going over some, some questions and some problems in that. Because this week he talked to him and said, yeah, I really feel like God has had me, has led me, has told me. And then a week or two, maybe three weeks later, uh, what happened to that? Oh, well, that didn't seem to be God. I'm going after this now. See, they're wandering. They're moving about because they're not set on what God has told them. When God tells you to do some things, it's set. You stay with it. When God told Moses, I want you to be the deliverer for the people, we don't see Moses wandering around. There was a lot of things that would have caused him to wander around. Uh, these people don't want me. These people want to kill me. Uh, things aren't really going all that, that super here. I think I'm just going to go on over in this direction and just leave this whole thing uh, by itself. But he didn't do it. He stayed with it. Why? Because this is what God called him to do. This is what God told him to do. When we see Joseph, Joseph doesn't wander about. doesn't begin to pursue things. God told him this is what's going to happen in your life. 
He stayed in the direction with God. He pursued it even though everything around him seemed to be falling to pieces. He stayed with what God said to do. He wasn't about wandering about, going here and there. Saul, you pull him out, and he's going in this direction for God, and then all of a sudden something comes up. The men seem to be wandering off, so I need to do the sacrifice myself. He didn't stay focused. And this is what Samuel got upset with him about. I told you I would be here. And you got anxious and you began to go in a in a wrong direction. So this is the contrast he's making here. That the same way with Balaam, they were he was after profit, and they may be after profit as well. But whatever goal it is, we're not going after the goal that we're supposed to. We put another goal out there in front of us. Some people it's not profit, it's power. Some people it's influence. Some people it's fame. There's all kinds of things that you can put in that spot, but it's still the same way of Balaam. We're pursuing something else. We're not pursuing the things of God. We're not staying set on that. And stuff pops up and we begin to go. Just like uh, Jesus' parable. We have uh, the thorns and the thistles, things that uh, distract us, things that begin to pull from what we're supposed to be doing. We don't, we don't go after those things the way we're supposed to. So we have the, the uh, error of Balaam. They run greedily in the area. Their, their greed causes them to get moving. And they go after it fast. They don't, they're not just kind of easing in. Not sure this is God. No, it's not quite, uh, just kind of checking it out. No, they run right on in. And sometimes you look at somebody, you know, a little kid, and they just start taking off and running after something. They see an object that they want, and they go running after it. And one of our first thoughts is, careful you don't fall. That you don't stumble. Because that can certainly happen. They're not going at this very carefully. And this is what he's describing them in. For they have gone in the way of Cain. They have run greedily in the area of Balaam for profit. And here's the third one. And perished in the rebellion of Korah. Now the, uh, the era of Korah, that's in Numbers chapter 16. We see that here they wanted power and or position. Power. They didn't like the level of power they had. They, they felt that their job was uh, not as significant as it could be. Or they went a position. How come it is that we just have to do this job, but Aaron, he gets over there, he gets to be the high priest. Uh, why can't we step in and there and be the high priest for a while? Why can't we go out there and, and offer these this uh, particular fire instead of having to just go back there and take care of the altar and, and so forth? So they downplayed what they were doing and upplayed what somebody else was doing. That's always what the devil likes to try and do. Whatever it is that we're doing for God, he wants you to see that as nothing. Put it down. Therefore, I'll begin to desire what somebody else is doing for God. We begin to covet what somebody else has. And that's what they were doing. He calls it, it translates to here rebellion. Now the rebellion, the word comes from antilogia. This means to speak against is actually what the word means. It, it's a combination word. And I was amazed at how many places I looked this word up. I looked this word up in about five different sources. And only two of them broke this down as a compound word. Now, I looked at it first off and all you got to see is that word anti in front there. And that's pretty much telling you this is a compound word. But I don't know why the rest of them didn't break this down in, in this way. But it's a... 
It's a compound word. Anti means against and logia means a word. So it's basically a word against. Now in the story, in the Septuagint, it translated the, when it has the waters of Meribah. Remember that one? It translates that particular word in the Hebrew for Meribah. It translates it, this word, antilogia. It actually puts that word in there. Now, I, put, I wrote that in your Bible or your, your outline there. LXX. You all know what LXX means? LXX is the abbreviation for Septuagint. If you look at that, <clears throat> I couldn't fit Septuagint in there, so <laughs> I put this in there. Uh, I'm so used to LXX, I, I see it all the time, so I'm just, I see that instantly in my, my own brain. Uh, that's one of those ones that I'm used to. And I see that on, but if you look at that, you may wonder, what in the, how in the world do you get Septuagint out of that? <laughs> so, so what it is, is Roman numeral for 70, and the reason for that is that uh, Ptolemy, in the years of around uh, 285 to 247 BC, he, uh, Ptolemy II, he uh, commissioned 70 Jewish scholars to go out and to translate the Hebrew Bible into the Greek. Because less and less people of the Jewish nation understood Hebrew. As time had gone on, but more of them understood Greek. So let's get the Bible in the language that they understand. And so, now this is how the story goes. I don't know how much truth to it is, is this, but it's supposed to be that he commissioned 70 scholars to go out and to do this. Now when you hear that, how many of you think that 70 went out there and the 70 of them worked on it? But that's, that would be false. Now, later on, some later tradition says that they actually had 72. They took six from each tribe. But the initial numbers were 70. But what the story is, is that they took 70 scholars and they sent them out into 70 different places. 70 different rooms by themselves. And they all worked on a translation from the Hebrew to the Greek independently. Again, I'm not telling you this is exactly what happened. I'm telling you this is the legend of the, of the thing, how it came about. And then they all came together afterwards and they compared it and they were all exactly the same. <laughs> now, I don't know what the, uh, the chances of that happening are. But anyway, that's, that's the, the story that goes behind this and that's why LXX means Septuagint. It's for 70. For the 70 scholars that went out. So, if you ever see that, and, and you ever, you know, get on a, a trivia show somewhere and they say, what does LXX stand for? <laughs> You'll be able to say uh, uh, what that is. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about using Alex, but I thought, well, since he passed away, that probably wouldn't be a good thing to throw out. But, but anyway, this is the era of, of, of Cor. They use this particular word, antilogia, to speak against. Here they translated a rebellion. In the um, New King, in the King James, they don't. In many other translations, they translate it another way. I'm not real sure why the New King James picked rebellion here, except that they're seeing it's when you speak against God or you speak against, in this case, Moses, that there's rebellion in it, that's in there. But this is the word that is there, antilogia, to speak against. So what he is he is saying here. Let's go back to the to the verse. For they have gone on the way of Cain, have run greedily in the era of Balaam for profit, then perished 
in the speaking against of Korah. So when Korah rose up and he spoke against Moses and he spoke against Aaron and he spoke against the different priests and the jobs that they had. Translated here, rebellion. But we know that they perished from it. And even though all Israel is taught the story of Korah so that they don't go in that particular way, they still go in that particular way. They still would go in the direction of speaking against. You would think that if you were in a, in a setting... And Korah rose up and rebelled. And uh, God says, get away from them. And the earth opens up and swallows people and fire comes down and starts burning people up. How many would get the idea? It's not a good idea to speak against Moses and Aaron. Let's just let's not do that. It uh, it doesn't, doesn't work well. You know, when we were young, we probably all stuck our fingers into the electric socket. And we probably all had exactly the same result. And um, it's <laughs> all you gotta do is one time, and uh, and you learn that one. But it doesn't seem like people learn that lesson here in the, the speaking against because we're still going out there and we we do it. So there are three things he says here that he relates these people to. That they have gone in the way of Cain. They have taken on pride and decided to define their own God and what God wants and what they're willing to give Him and God is just going to have to accept that. You'll see this today with a lot of people. They try and define, this is my truth. That's, that's a garbage phrase right there. I don't have any truth. I had to receive truth from outside of myself because of myself, I'm evil. But God is good. So truth comes from Him. So I just receive truth. I don't create it. I don't come up with it. I cannot generate my truth. But this is what people do. And they begin to say, well, I don't think a God would send people to hell. And so they they want to serve a God who doesn't send anyone to hell. And, you know, this goes on, all the things that they come up with that God ought to do and God should do. and, And this is the way that they want to walk with this. And this is the way that these people were going. They were coming in to teach this group, but understand they've created their own God. They've created their own ways to worship Him. And pride is an issue. That's the first one. Once you fall into this way, murder is not hard to come to. And that's what Cain did. He was able to kill someone who was righteous because of what was going on the inside of him because he followed after this way. For they have gone in the way of Cain they have run greedily in the area of Balaam for profit. So they have pride towards God and they see themselves as God and they set up their own things on how to do, uh, how to serve God. And they feel perfectly fine about pursuing money, pursuing profit. The greed has gotten a hold of them and they have no problem in doing this. We've uh, heard different people who have taught over the years of how uh, different ministers would use the anointing. And when the anointing was flowing, the anointing was going good. Brother Hagen talked about one person in particular. I know uh, Brother Rick has uh, written a book about how this would would go about. But when the anointing was, was flowing and people were getting healed, they would take up an offering. Even though it would disrupt the anointing, it would disrupt what it is that God was doing, they would take up an offering because they saw that at that moment people were more willing to give and to go over and above and to 
to do things, so the offering will be bigger. But see, that's greed that will take you in that direction. And um, I know one minister was uh, was warned about the the way of greed. They did, they needed to judge themselves on money. Well, they didn't do it, and uh, they they did not survive very long. I think it was two or three years, and they had uh, had gone away. There was a couple other things that were going on with them as well. But money was one. And this is what's going on with these guys. They're motivated by money. And we can become that way. We can be motivated more by money. And this is not just something that happens with ministers. How many times have we seen people in the body of Christ where they're in a spot, things are going good, they're growing, their family's growing, they're developing, they're learning the things of God. And then all of a sudden, they get offered a job to move away and to take this job. Brother Hagin would talk about some people in their church and they would get this job offer. And he would ask them, well, is there a church out there? Well, I don't know. They didn't even check it out. They checked out whether there was a job. They checked out whether this job would suffice for them. They checked out, are there houses there that we could afford? They had all that checked out, never checked out the church. And some of these people moved away anyway, got involved, uh, got a better paying job. But eventually, uh, things in their life began to fall apart. And that was... Uh, that was that was not going so well. The pursuit of money can really mess us up. And this is what he's telling them here. They have run greedily in the era, era of Balaam for profit. They run. They're not walking. They're not casually getting in there. They are running after this thing. They run greedily in the area of Balaam for profit. And third, they perished in the rebellion of Korah. They'll see the things that happen with someone like Korah. They'll speak against this and that, even though the examples in the Word are people who perish for this, they went ahead and did it. Now again, his initial example was what went on between Michael and Satan. That Michael would not just uh, speak against him. And in fact, in uh, go back to verse, verse 8. Likewise also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Just casually, they'll just speak evil. Well, I don't like that one. Oh, that one's, he's, he's this, he's that, the other thing. They speak evil of dignitaries. Now, later on, he says they speak evil of whatever they do not know. I don't have a first-hand observation of that. Well, these dignitaries, they probably did not have a first-hand observation of, and they spoke evil in, in that way. Just because I don't have an understanding of it doesn't mean I ought to be speaking about it at all. Get the understanding. Or else just don't speak. Just uh, just be quiet on the matter. It's sometimes hard to be quiet on matters. Because, you know, we can get our own opinion on stuff. And we have to be careful of our own opinion. First off, is that opinion based on something that's good? Or is it based on something that's false? And I may not know until I get out there and, and check it out and look into some things, what's, what's going on. Secondly... Once I come up with something, is it something I ought to be sharing or talking about? Because just because I see an issue doesn't mean that I need to speak to it. Am I commissioned by God to speak to it? Jesus, I'm sure, saw a lot of things going on in his day, but we all know he only spoke to those things that he saw the Father tell him, to, or the Father gave him words to speak on. So if he gave him words to speak, he would speak on it. There are sometimes or there are things going on, but maybe we're not supposed to speak to it. Maybe it's, uh, sometimes it's just not time yet. 
sometimes as you are mentoring somebody or as you are uh, helping somebody who's who's young in the faith, you may see some things going on in their life, but it doesn't mean that you ought to be speaking to it. It just means that, all right, you see that, but that's for down the road. That's not for right now. Thank God, God speaks to us a little bit at a time. He may look at us and He can see all the stuff that we're doing wrong, but He doesn't deal with us with all the stuff we're doing wrong. He picks out one or two things here. And we begin to work on those. And then after that, we pick on uh, one or two other things. And we begin to just work on a few things at a time, but sometimes we don't have that same um, same grace, same mercy with people that we're walking with. We see, well, that's a problem. you got to quit that. Oh, that's a problem. you got to quit that. we got to get on them for everything. That's not always something that we ought to, ought to be doing. But then I put on your, your outline there, why, why get sucked in? Why is it that people get sucked in to what he's talking about here? How do we get sucked into this, this evil speaking, this uh, speaking in a derogatory way of dignitaries or people that are higher up? Why is it that we, we fall after the ways of Korah? We see people that are doing things and God's commissioned them, God's asked them, God's put them in a position to do certain things in the in the body. He asked Aaron to be the high priest. We want to go around and we want to disqualify Aaron. And Aaron had a lot of reasons to disqualify him. But God qualified him and God put him in that position. And just as David would look at Saul and said, I'm not taking him out of that position. God put him in it. It's for God to take him out. And that's how he he walked with it. A lot of people around him wanted to help God out. But why do we get sucked in? Well, first off, once we start, it's hard to stop. Once you start speaking the evil of dignitaries, once you start evil speaking, it's hard to stop. It just starts to, to flow out of us. Because I haven't restrained myself in that way. I haven't held the, held that back. So once we start, it's just hard to stop. But we have to. You get involved in gossip. And once you get involved with it, it seems to be hard to stop. It just, it can have an addiction to you. I get pulled in. Oh, there's some gossip over there. I can go over here and hear what this is. Or I can go over there and add my two cents in. So that's the first thing. Once we start, it's hard to stop. Secondly, it satisfied a need in our natural corrupt self. I may not know spiritually what's going on here, but naturally I, I think I know some stuff. And see, this is where that instinct thing comes on. How many times you talk to somebody, well, I don't know what's going on with that, but I think, well, how'd they come up with a, with an I think or an opinion on something that they've already said they don't know anything about? I, I, I get so irritated when I hear people in the news media or people, politicians or people in, in high places and they start off whatever it is they're saying with, well, I don't know exactly what happened. But, and then they go on and begin to say some things about that thing that happened. Well, if you don't know exactly what happened, then you're not in a position to speak on it. And, you know, just just hush up. Just not, not say anything about it at all. But we get sucked in. The devil loves this. Because if he can get us to, to rely more on our natural, the corrupt self, then we don't rely on the, the spirit self. The spirit inside us would be telling us, no, don't be saying that. Go out there and find out something about it or else don't. I mean, there are many times that I look at situations that are going on around the world and I look at that and say, I, I am not willing to take the time. 
to find out what happened. Therefore, I shut up. <laughs> Just And now if God leads me and says, no, Steve, you need to spend some time and you need to check that thing out, then you go over there and you spend some time and you check it out. You go in there and you do what Jesus did with the churches. You go into the church and you walk through it. This is a, and then you can come back out there and say, I, I know your works. I know your deeds. But there's a lot of times we just don't know those things. When they have investigations and stuff to go on in other cities, I'm not in those other cities. I'm not conducting the investigation. So I just, I had to let it go. Because I'm not there. And so, in my opinion, really has very little, <laughs> very little smarts to it because it's not based on anything. I don't know. That's what these, these folks are doing. They're leaving the place of being spiritual, which is don't comment on something that you don't know about to go with something they feel like on the inside. I have this instinct, this instinct to tell me this person is wrong. I've heard many a case where people say, well, this person is wrong here for doing this. And then once they find out what actually happened, oh, well, how is it your instinct isn't, isn't telling you the same thing now? Because it was your flesh. It was your natural man. You're supposed to be walking according to the spiritual man. We're not supposed to walk as mere men, as, the, as Paul puts it. But that's what they do. So it satisfies a need of our natural corrupt self. Here's the third one. Less opposition to growth, though the wrong kind. If I follow after the natural, if I follow after the, the, uh, the things of my, of uh, the instinct that's on the inside of me and just go after that, it'll cause me to grow, but it won't be the right kind of growth. That's not going to help me out spiritually. But there's less opposition. You know, there's less opposition for your doubts to grow. There's more opposition for your faith in God to grow. Because the enemy doesn't want your faith in God to grow. He wants your doubts to grow. It's not going to oppose that at all. There's the fourth one. Like water down a drain. Everything around pushes us that way. When we get involved with this kind of kind of thing, everything around us is pushing us to go in this, dire- this particular direction. Everybody around me, my family, my friends, co-workers, the people that are around my neighborhood, wherever it is that I'm at, they're all going this direction. They're all thinking this thing about the incident. They're all saying this particular thing about this that happened or that this, this belief or that, or the, this thing has happened over here. This is what they say. And we go off in that direction. But we don't know. Just getting outside of this, just the events that we have happen all around here. If you just look at things that supposedly would not produce any kind of emotion on the inside of people. It, it has in the past. But I don't think today that these things would pose any kind of an emotion on the inside of us. But in the last uh, even 20, 30 years, we have seen an incredible amount of growth in what we know of the solar system. The Hubble te- Telescope has shown us things that we did not even know. And I, have, I love reading this stuff. I'll sometimes pull one of those things up and just uh, start reading about some area in the sky and what they're learning about dark matter or what they're learning about black holes or what they're learning about how the stars change and, and all these kind of... I, I, I love reading about it. But when we didn't have that perspective, we had a different viewpoint. 
we didn't know exactly what uh, what was going on, but we were able to change our perspective. We were able to to understand some things differently from that. So when you go back in the in the time and you see some of the things that Newton came up with and the opposition that came against him, and you know they wanted to brand him a heretic, they burned a lot of his uh, his writings. Uh, they threatened him if he would keep teaching these particular things. This and this would happen to him in an effort to, to silence him. And others beside him had a, undergone similar persecution because of their thoughts. But we look at that right now and we look at some of the things that Newton proposed and we say, well, of course that's the way that it is. But our perspective is very different from what it was for them. The first person who proposed that the earth was not flat that it was indeed round. The first person who proposed that the earth was not the center of the universe, that the earth rotated around the sun, and the sun is not the center of the universe. All those people were met with great opposition. But you see, as our perspective changed, then we we came into a place where, oh, well, this is just, just normal. It's all perspective. So if I'm not willing to walk in that kind of oida knowledge, that knowledge that has a first-hand understanding of it, then my perspective will be wrong. And I'll come up with opinions, but they have no merit. But you, you look at what happened with these people who had these opinions, if you just go back through history, and you look at how they opposed some of the scientific discoveries, they were angry. They wanted to kill people because they thought the earth was different than what they thought it was. And this is what he's talking about. These people, these false teachers... They have a viewpoint that's not God's perspective. They have not pursued God. They have not pursued His Word to get His perspective from it. They're going with what's on the inside of them. They're going with what their natural man tells them. And they have developed things like this. This has caused them to go in the way of Cain. This has caused them to go in the way of Balaam. This is, this is the directions that they have, have been deciding to go. And it's not producing good things. So, like water down a drain, everything around pushes us that way. And so some people, just, they just go, well, this is the way everybody's going. This is the way everybody's thinking. This is what everybody wants to do. I'll just go with it. But I've never pursued anything in the Spirit on it. I've never said, God, what is your opinion? How do you view this thing? There's the fifth one. They're fueled by pride the right way would be fueled by humility. Humble way is a much harder way to go. And not everybody is very, has that appeal to that particular way. But these people are fueled by pride. This is what powers them to go on. They don't want to be humble. There's the sixth one. Following the wrong kind of knowledge brings corruption. When we follow the wrong kind of knowledge... It brings corruption or destruction. If I go in the way of the natural knowledge that he refers to here, instead of the way of learning God's perspective, walking in a way to experientially see it, to see it firsthand, that by observation, I have seen the ways of God. If we don't walk in that particular way, what knowledge we get will bring destruction on me, bring destruction and corruption, and I need to stay out of it. 
And this is what he's referring them to. If we just look at the way people are going, it will tell us whether we should follow them. If I just look at the way people are going, it will tell us whether we should follow them. That's why I get amazed at some of the things that go on, the people in the Hollywood, the people in the news media, the people in politics, that people follow after and just say all these glowing things. If you just look at what he has given you as an outline here, it's so easy to be able to tell, no, no, I can't, can't go after that one. Nope, can't go in this, this particular. No, we're not looking for perfect people. Understand that we're not going to find perfect people. If you go back in the past of, of somebody that's uh, in one of these groups, or look at this thing that they did before. Well, if they got born again after that, you can't look at that anymore. And if you do, boy, I'll tell you what, be careful about this. If you go back in someone else's past and look at something they did, whatever number of years ago, and hold them to it, you have opened the door for the devil to make accusation against you. Don't I don't want that. I want to make sure, because I know, you know, I may have been raised in a Christian home, born again young and early, but I'm, there's still some stuff back there <laughs> that, you know, it wasn't so good. I still did some disobedient things. I still, still did some stuff that I wasn't supposed to do. And I don't want to be having to go back in the past. I want the devil to be able to come on up there and be able to make contention. Uh, like you said, the, this whole thing was uh, started with Satan having contention over the body of Moses. Apparently he found some legal way that he thought he could have access to the body of Moses. Something that maybe that Moses did in his past. And they had an advocate and apparently he lost that case. I don't know. It would seem that he may have won some cases that he keeps going after it, but I don't know. We don't get to, to hear all that. But I do want to make sure that I I extend to other people mercy. I extend to other people grace because in the end, I want mercy. And I, want, I know I'm going to need mercy and I know I'm going to need grace. So I'm going to make sure that I extend it and I sow it so that later on I can get it. But if I look at the way other people are going, it will tell us whether we should follow them or not. Whether we should let them be at the helm. But don't get sucked in. This is what these these people had done. Or these, what these people are trying to do. They're trying to get other people to follow after them and to get sucked in on this. Once they get them going in this direction, again he says, Woe to them! It's not going to be good for them. For they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. And we'll pick up with where he has this lead to in the next in the next verse next week. Well, Father, we thank you for our examples in your word. We don't want to follow in the way of these false teachers and we don't want to be led by anyone who is false because the only place they could lead us is a place of destruction. But you've given us a clear outline of what we should follow. That we are not to follow the base instincts of our flesh to lead us into a place of knowledge, but we are to go after our spirit that will have us to begin to, to walk around and to see and to observe the things of God and to base our behaviors off of those. I thank you that you teach us, instruct us, that you give us mentors, you give us people that have gone on before us that we can learn from, that we can glean from. 
and that we can receive instruction and rebuke from. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.